I'm Gary, what's your name? Maria. Well, it's nice to meet you, Maria. What are you doing Friday night? Bit forward. Let me take you for a drink. We're having one now. Well, there you go, then. We're speeding through the gears. <laughs> you just say the word. Ugh. I'm such a fool. I mean, I would invite you back to mine, but they, uh, they don't allow guests. Mm. Hotel Metcalf. Mm, it's killing me. The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 157 of the Talk of the Street and the official Cornish Street Catcher podcast. And I should remember that Line of Duty also had some fairly amusing taser scenes recently. And long story short, we're now 50 Twitter followers to the good. I'm Gavin. And I'm still in Twitter jail. <laughs> and I still don't know why. I think it looks more and more likely that it's a life sentence. They would have already they they would have already said It's been more than a week, right? Yeah. Then again, that week included a holiday weekend. So oh, that sound you can hear is Helen clutching at straws. <laughs> I still don't know why, and that's I. I wouldn't mind. It's all it. the racism. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I offended somebody with my opinion on Paddington too. I guess. Well, I don't know. Peruvians are people too, <laughs> Helen. Ah. Yep. I mean. I check regularly because it affects my numbers. Mm-hmm. Because I, I notice that the well, it affects one of your numbers. <laughs> There's a number. It affects two numbers because it affects the number of followers and the number of people that I follow as the talk of the street. As as a perk, I am not doom scrolling nearly as much. You doom scroll? Doesn't everybody? No, I, I'm not. Twitter feed is mostly joy. <laughs> who are you following? People who live in the real world, apparently. Hmm. You know, that's your first mistake. <laughs> mostly comedians. The, the irony is, is devastating, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I can. If, if I wanted to, I could scroll through Twitter on the Poetry in the Bar or even the Talk of the Street, and I just yeah, you could. I just don't. Because it's, it's a different vibe. <laughs> Apparently so. Less, you know, let's, let's do a deep dive through what this particular thing in history means to the racism and everything of today and proves that we just never learn as a species. Yeah, the coding uh, timeline is mostly about whether Jenny is right to kick out Johnny, which is and Johnny which is right. Johnny left. He didn't... she kicked him out at the end. Uh, he was already leaving. He had a packed bag. Anyway, now how can you say uh, get out and don't come back isn't throwing somebody out? It's like somebody coming, it's like somebody saying... This is way too early to get the core really content, is. by the way, we're, we're at minute, like, minute three. It's like, you know, when somebody comes and says, look, I don't think we should date anymore, I'm breaking up with you, and the other person says, no, I'm breaking up with you first. That's what it is. Well, so you're and team Johnny then, interesting. Not, no, I'm not team Johnny, I'm absolutely not team Johnny, I'm just saying he was already 
he already had his foot out the door. How are you? Uh, I'm still in Twitter jail. And it makes me sad. It doesn't re- it actually, it makes me less sad than I thought it was going to be. Cause really? Cause I gave you the opportunity to talk about something else. And here we are talking about Twitter again. <laughs> uh, you know, I, my allergies are acting up today. Nobody wants to hear about that. They want me to make amusing things. Never stops in the past. <laughs> Finished uh, Mayor of Easton and it was good. I still all the way through. That. You need to start it. You'll like it. It's good. Yeah, I'm hearing good things from not only you about it. Right. Because if it was just me, you'd never watch it. Right. Because that's happened before in the past. Right, because I think you're just trying to get me to watch a Marvel thing again. No, because you still haven't watched... Um, that other thing on HBO that I really liked that I thought you would like because there was a horror aspect to it. See, what's hilarious is we have a friend. We do? <laughs> yes, we have many friends, but we have, we, do? we have a friend in particular that we have this long running joke with about the movie World War Z. Never going to watch it. <laughs> no, we're never going to watch it because he really wanted us to watch it. And I was vaguely interested in watching it. <laughs> It's just, yeah, I, I've watched the uh, How It Should Have Ended for World War Z and I've, you know, watched other spoofs and things out of it, but I'll never watch it because then Ricky Lee wins. Because some of it was filmed in Glasgow. Right. And some people I Which makes know, sense. some people I know went to see it. They, they turned the centre of Glasgow into New York or a New York block. Zombie apocalypse? Glasgow. Sure. Sure. Just make sure it's. Why not? Two thirty in the morning on a Saturday night. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Anyway, I had friends who went uh-huh. to get a glimpse of Brad Pitt uh-huh. and succeeded. Uh-huh. So I have a kind of investment in in seeing it, but right. he made such a big deal about it. It's like fuck that. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching this World is War just Z. kind of the people we are. World War Z. World War Z. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not like a huge Brad Pitt person anyway. I th- I think is is the is the issue for me. If I'm going to see a movie and Brad Pitt's in it, I'm not going to it because Brad Pitt's in it. I'm going to it f- for something else. I mean, I, I I tend to think that. Oh, good, Brad Pitt's in it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go and see it just because Brad Pitt's in it. There's there are several Brad Pitt movies that I haven't seen, but if I'm sitting down to watch something and discover that he's in it, mm-hmm. or would have watched it anyway. I'm never disappointed to see that Brad Pitt's in it. Yeah. Best Brad Pitt cameo? True Romance. Deadpool 2. He was great in True Romance. He was 30 years old in True Romance. Mm-hmm. He looked like 16. Yeah. 30 years old. Yeah. I liked watching him land on power lines and getting electrocuted to death. That was fun. Mm, so Twitter jail, eh? Because <laughs> remember, he played the Vanisher in Deadpool 2. But it was hilarious. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. Yeah. The Deadpool is like really the only Marvel thing that you'll admit to enjoying. Oh, totally oh and the it. first Ant-Man. You liked the first Ant-Man. Yeah, the first Ant-Man was good. I, I quite liked the first Thor. Yeah, that one was all right. It's the second Thor that's just dreadful. And then I really like the third one because I am a fan of the take of Watiti. But see, I saw Thor uh-huh. and thought... That's a decent film. I quite enjoyed that. Uh-huh. Don't need to see any more of it. Ah. What, what it did in the first movie satisfies my four requirements for quite some time. Hmm. 
You weren't a comic book reader as a child, were you? No, I was a pornography reader as a child. <laughs> yes, five-year-old Gav sitting around <laughs> well, maybe not reading five. porn and telling his mother that he only reads it for the articles. That's right. Some good golfing tips and. <laughs> Did your mom find your porn stash? I at assume one point? so. I assume so. It disappeared. I kept them all, and I wasn't five. I was like fifteen, like normal age. <laughs> I had them normal age within the cover of a your Sinclair magazine, so a computer magazine. I took the cover off the computer magazine and put it round the the Mayfair because that was that was a clever thing to do, and hid them in a Adidas satchel under a chair in my room and then I left home and then my mum died and then I went back and the satchel's gone I was like hmm I wonder if she discovered my gentleman's literature and yet all of your CDs were still in the shed yeah yeah she's not touching that no (sighs) shall we preamble my dear sure give us some of that pornographic Cory news this better be good Now I feel really uncomfortable reading the first... Well, maybe read it last then. ...part of Corey News. Pride Month News. Hey. Matilda Freeman, first summer on the show and in our hearts, has come out as bisexual. Well, in many ways, it's a better world for the LGBTQIA community. Coming out... Publicly still takes a lot of guts. So well done, young lady. She seemed to do it, not by accident, but just as a matter of course. She was doing a Q&A for... Yeah, she was on... It's on her Instagram. She was doing an Instagram Q&A and somebody asked her point blank and she just answered. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Done. Dealt Kids with. these days, they're so much braver than we were. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's still going to be hate directed at her because... The world is an awful place, but still, the kids are all right. Yeah, I have high hopes for Gen Z. And her um, her announcement apparently drew quite an awful lot of praise. And, yes, yes, and, indeed. Uh, congratulations on her bravery and, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Good for her. Sophie Turner um, came out as bisexual this week as well, and she got a lot of flack because people don't seem to understand that bisexual means that you can be bisexual and marry a, a Jonas brother, and it's fine. That doesn't make you less bisexual. Continuing on Corey News. Please. <laughs> Changes are coming to the way you can watch Corey, thanks to the Euros. Uh-oh. Instead of six episodes, there will be two hour-long episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. Don't want to wait? Both episodes will air early on Monday on the ITV Hub. And this has come out to mixed reviews. So they're going from three hours a week to two hours a week. Uh Uh-huh. And they're also posting it at the start of the week so you can stream it if you want. Yeah, instead of winning. And you don't want to wait. Yeah. Which, honestly, that's the way I watch Corey anyway. Right. Only at the end of the week, not the beginning of the week, obviously. So it doesn't really, well, I mean, it wouldn't affect us anyway because we don't watch it on ITV. We watch it on BritBox. But does this mean that everything will come out on BritBox early as well? I don't know. I watch on ITV. Did you do that illegally, though, so we're not supposed to admit it? It's a VPN. Oh, okay. Why 
if 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 it's legal to do these things through a VPN, why not just make everything accessible in every country? Advertisers. Hmm. All comes down to the advertising dollar. Yeah, pound. I guess. Dollar pound, dollar pound. Oh, something really annoyed me the other day. Somebody was talking about, oh, oh, I think it was on Sofa Cinema Club where they were talking when they were talking about the movie and it's an American movie and they were talking about the money in pounds. And I know I've done that before you do on this podcast. All the time. <laughs> but still, when you turn that's, it around. That's your default position. <laughs> still, when you turn it around, it's annoying because America. You also say, you also say color without a U. <laughs> yes, I don't say color. But, um. But this whole binge box set in the Coronation Street is, is drawing some some criticism from some corners because, and I can see this because, you know, you're right. For most of the time, I have been watching it on BritBox and mm-hmm. I tend to see it roughly an hour after it finishes. Mm-hmm. So by that point, the whole uh, Twitter uh, watch-along commentary has kind of subsided. Right. This gives us a chance to have our foot in the door for that. But watching it as it's going out, which I have been doing for the past couple of weeks, you become more part of that, and and it's uh, and it's a more kind of group experience, which kind of gets lost if people are watching it at different times. However, the Netflix model is right mostly releasing everything, releasing yeah. be damned, yeah, which kind of takes out that um, that camaraderie of watching along with other people virtually around the world sort of thing and yet but it does make people more inclined to encourage others to watch it right yeah yeah and you know people it it feels like there's there's an etiquette now to things like that where people don't spoil quite so much some assholes do but generally but generally you know and um even for things that don't do it, because HBO Max and uh, Disney Plus still release, and Hulu to an extent will will um, with their original programming will do an episode a week, yep. and you have to wait. Yep. and that's that's fine. It can be frustrating, it's but frustrating. It, it's it's more frustrating <laughs> than fine. Let's face it. You don't expect to have that on a streaming service. But you know, even even with that, I remember um, one particular episode of Mayor of Easttown. Um, I didn't get to watch it because it's it like it releases at like ten o'clock at night on a Sunday night on the HBO Max, and there are times I just I can't. I can't be up waiting that long, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and still the next day people didn't, people didn't spoil the thing and the thing still had a really huge impact on me. And I gasped when it happened. Um, I had like, we had, I had like one friend, ironically enough, the world war Z friend, who, you know, I had posted something on Facebook about how much I've been enjoying it and how much I'd been enjoying one particular character or actor's character. And he said something about that character. And I said, nope, I haven't watched it yet. So wait. And he didn't say anything more. So it does feel like there's like an etiquette. Of course, that's just, you know, a charming and lovely ginger haired Southern gentleman who is our friend. 
yeah. Ricky? It depends on when the embargo is. Is right. the embargo when it's released on a Monday, presumably on a Monday, or is the embargo after the episode would have aired? Right. Or is it after the episode eventually does air at some point when the football's done? Does that right. make, mean it okay to does that make it okay to talk about at that point? Right. When do you start talking about it? Right. And so there's kind of grey areas there that I presume are, are going to get muddied. Right. But you know that kind of happened already anyway. I mean, like Seb's death was spoiled for me because ITV was and the Coronation Street Twitter handle tweeted about it right after the episode released. Right, because that's before, when the embargo was. Right, before people, other people around the world had a chance to watch it, like us. Yeah, well, yeah, but Corey cares about the UK audience. And once, it, once it's been shown in the UK, then it's fair game. Hmm. Yeah, but it was like right afterwards. And this was like the first time that something like this happened where it was like right afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, don't do this yet. Give me an hour, please. I wasn't ready. But yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. Anyway, uh, finally, Colson Smith has had a movie premiere this week with the release of his documentary short, Bored of Being the Fat Kid, in which he discusses the bullying he received both from schoolmates and the public from the age of 11 onward as uh, as Craig. So, you know, good on him for for because fat phobia is a thing and um, and people shouldn't be bullied because of their weight and. Um, you know, it's nice that he's done this. It's a, it's I haven't watched it yet. A Looking forward to, to seeing do. it. Yeah, it's an interesting journey, but I think it's basically Colson runs for an hour and a half, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, because he also talks about you know being bullied as an eleven-year-old kid. People on the internet criticizing oh, yeah, the weight of an eleven-year-old right. kid because he was an actor at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he went to like one after one after school program for acting and then like two weeks later had an agent. Wow. Nice for some. Yeah, not bad. Nice for some. No, that's not interesting because a, a documentary about someone running, I, I don't think I'd be interested in, but the, the backstory and the... Right. Yeah, that... Yeah. We need to watch that. Yeah. You know, and I mean, everybody has their, their journey with their weight. And their fatness, mm-hmm. and some of us embrace it and love, and love our body no matter what. And some people choose to run a lot. Well, I, I remember a couple of summers ago that um, we were out in the deck, and it was we were having Benny's birthday party before he left for the summer. Uh-huh. And he, I heard him call me fat or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And over the next year, I lost ninety five pounds, mm-hmm. but I didn't run. No. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I physically am not built to run. These. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's quite news. <laughs> Our mailbag. Just a thank you to everyone on Twitter who nominated and voted for us in the British Podcast Awards. We are under no illusion that we'll get anywhere of noting it, but it was just lovely to read the tweets of folks who enjoy our show. In particular... I'd like to mention <laughs> Kirsten, who said, "I keep getting into trouble with my kids. Who I listen when I listen to you guys as I'm doing jobs around the house. Mum, 
your podcast just swore. We get in trouble with our kids too. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't let them swear. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Thank you to somebody from Winnipeg for our coffee this week. Woo-hoo! Which I'm enjoying it in the, the Talk of the Street mug. Yeah, as am I. We're really boring this week. We're using our, our merch. See, it's attitudes to our mugs and our merch <laughs> like that that means no one enters the competition to win a mug. And the person who wins a mug says, nah, it's all right, just donate, donate to, to charity. charity. Which is fine. Can't fucking give these things away. Oh, they are delightful. None of this distracts from the generosity from somebody in Winnipeg who wrote to say, I just found your pod. And I'm so glad I've been watching the show on and off for around 40 years since Oofed. I was a kid. Oofed. Fascinated by the accents. I also <laughs> miss the lighter moments. Thank you from Winnipeg. Manitoba. Oh, Winnipeg. Manitoba? Manitoba, right? Yeah, we need to get up there sometime. Yeah, never been to Manitoba. Yeah, let's, let's hope the borders open eventually. I thought that's, it's so interesting though, a show that, that I grew up with mm-hmm. and never gave any consideration to the it being watched by anyone in another country, never right. mind somewhere as exotic as Canada. <laughs> right? It, it's quite mind because they were watching it when I was watching it. Uh-huh. Fascinating. Yes. So thanks again to somebody from Winnipeg for the coffees this week. If you want to donate coffee stills for next week, you can do so by going to ko-fi.com slash Street. That's ko-fi.com. And we will be very appreciative like we are to somebody from Winnipeg. Thanks very much. So yeah, the results of the competition. Not the most subscribed contest in the world, but was won by the aforementioned Kirsten, mother of the children who know that swearing isn't big or clever. But it is quite funny. (laughs) So she won and opted to donate. The value of the prize to charity, 30 quid has been posted to Breast Cancer Now. Thanks for entering everyone who did so. And congratulations again to Kirsten. Yes, both of you. And (laughs) there was five. And now this. (laughs) Had volume problems. Mm. That's what she said. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) So volume problems or capacity problems? I'm not sure which. Well, just enough time to quickly talk about few with a capital F. This was Kirk. No. Depends what you're feeling. Right. Any ideas? I cannot basically say that. It's Kirk. It is Kirk. Upon learning that Carla, who was serving behind the bar at the Rovers, was kidding when she said last orders. Few with a capital F, says Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) I was Gavin and you were Black Lives Matter. School was finished. Still am. And you were at the eating Reese's peanut cups in bed stage of the pandemic. (laughs) Your dad wanted us to meet up in Kentucky. Uh, And then my mom this summer wanted to meet up up with us in Kentucky. What is it about Kentucky? We're not going to that arc. We're not going to Kentucky. It was glorious to see the Rovers patrons turn their backs on Tim's dad, although Tim's reluctance to put the hidden camera together with escorts remains a frustration. Asher's confidence is further boosted by Nina's words of wisdom, which is bad news for ITV Corey and his band of reprehensible mates. Leanne won't be accepting anyone's offer of help when it comes to looking after Oliver. Michael isn't going to Marbella. Remember? James was going to buy him a Buy him a holiday, take him on holiday for the closed season because of the racism and stuff. Uh huh. And he never went. Yeah. And 
<laughs> racism was just never. Gary's creepy interest in Kelly the Chin remains a concern. Shona forgets oven mitts. Our moment of the week was Asher slagging off ITV core in front of his mates. And our boring moment of the week was Kirk and his days of the week socks. Oh, Kirk. Mm. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Beth is coming back soon. I would hope so. Yeah. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline today is our last storyline today. So our second storyline is Rumbling Sharon. Just the four storylines, I think, this week, and everything happens on the same day. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, no, not pretty much. Exactly. Can, can I just say, you know, I said in Corey News last week that, you know, because these were going to be airing later in the evening, that we were promised darker, you know, meteor storylines, things that couldn't be shown at 7 p.m. Yeah. There's one thing I think. I'm a little disappointed because I didn't see a single thing that couldn't have been aired at 7 p.m. that we haven't seen at 7 p.m. There was one thing that I think was maybe, maybe pushing it, and we'll get to that. Mm. So, at the Rovers, Ronnie is complaining about the burnt bacon. It's going to be one of those days for Jenny, but otherwise the service has been top notch. <laughs> in comes Johnny, and the three of them chat about what's to be done about Sharon. Johnny advises caution. If Jenny is wrong about her, Rita will never forgive her. And if she's right, Shanna's connected and dangerous. Because Johnny is now a, an expert on right, the criminal he's underworld. Right, because he's played pool with drug dealers. So <laughs> Jenny isn't scared, but agrees to back off. Good, says Johnny. Now go burn me some bacon, woman. And so Jenny destroys Johnny's face with a fire <laughs> extinguisher. He literally says that. Mm -hmm. This isn't even one of your little jokey things. Nope. He literally says that. My little jokey things. <laughs> where you where you say the characters swear. Oh right. Yeah. Sharon. <laughs> Which we all know is not happening at seven PM or nine PM. Which is weird. It's interesting that it's all boiled down to that one little thing. It's such a chaste show for a soap opera. Sharon goes into the cabin to tell Brian that Rita won't be in today. Brian has run ragged, so Sharon offers to help until she gets a call from Harvey. She tells him about Jenny being on to her and how she needs to skedaddle. He's having none of it. She needs to find out what legal advice Leanne's getting for why. Yeah, he's he's surprised Leanne has a lawyer. <laughs> when her, for all intents and purposes, brother-in-law mm -hmm. is a lawyer. It's like I, it's, Leanne has access to chips. What? <laughs> and knickers. She wears underwear. How did that happen? Does she though? <laughs> uh, we're assuming so, yes. And also Harvey wants her to deal with Jenny. Sharon rushes off before Brian's finished making a brew going, well, I thought you were supposed to be helping me. Well, he also is out of tea bags, so she's going to get tea bags. Gary is in the or memorial to get tea bagged. Oh, garden chatting with Maria. He's worried that he was a catalyst that started this whole storyline off. Mm -hmm. If he hadn't gotten involved with Rick the Chin, Kelly the Chin would have been nowhere near the street, never mind an extended contract, and Seb would still be alive. Maria thinks that's an awful lot of what-ifs. Yes. Rick the Chin is a bad guy in all of this, and Gary thinks Maria has changed her tune somewhat. Hmm. So Sharon lumbers herself off to Toya in Roy's Rolls, asking after Kelly, how's young Kelly doing? 
mm. remarking that it must be hard not having Leanne around. Although she was in the street last week with Imran, wasn't she? She's not needing legal advice by any chance, is she? Says Sharon inconspicuously. She's about as subtle as a boot to the fanny and Toya rushes off to quiz Imran about this. Ouch. Ronnie is in the background listening in. Mm-hmm. So Maria and Gary are getting on great to the point where they're probably going to get their hole again when Natasha comes along and she's sure that Gary's behind the white van that kidnapped Sam. He says it was Sharon who hired it. He was just using it. And Maria worries that Gary is always at the centre of this kind of shite. Yeah, after just telling him not, you know, not to follow that line of what ifs and he can't blame himself for everything. Mm -hmm. She turns around and blames him for everything. Right. Her opinion goes up and down like her knickers. Uh, Jenny has overheard this. And Johnny's. <laughs> yeah, just lack of elastics in that case. <laughs> Not so, nice. So Jenny has overheard this and comes over to get the gossip. Sharon, you say. Mm. Meanwhile, Ronnie has reported back to Jenny at the Rovers and she tells him about the van. Apparently Sharon found a guy on an advert in the cabin. But guess what? No advert there in the cabin. There was no advert. She just needs to figure out the connection with Sam. And then she remembers a tablet from a few weeks ago that had Sam's picture on it. Uh-huh. Ronnie thinks she's a sexy Miss Marple and tells her about the conversation with Toya. Jenny rushes <laughs> off to speak with Toya despite her promise to Johnny to stay out of this. Yes. And this was all kind of somewhat delightful, I found. Yes. yes. The, the sexy because Miss she Marple is a sexy thing Miss Marple. <laughs> it's funny that Ronnie is still flirting with her. Even though he's now friends with Johnny. He, he doesn't know how not to. No, it's true. I think. It's true. Back at the cabin, Shanna's trying to explain her relationship with Harvey to Rita. She said that she had all the best intentions uh, mm. be, of being the, the supportive person right. for someone. Yeah, of but, being the Rita mm-hmm, to Harvey. Right. And she says that she has no Rita and it was too big a job. Rita, though, is still very proud of the woman that Sharon has become. Lee. Yeah, grab your collar a little bit. She'll eat those words later. Jenny interrupts Imran and Toya's argument uh, on the street because Toya's still concerned about the whole why didn't you tell me that Leanne was back? Mm. And Jenny explains her theory about Sharon kidnapping Sam, but she needs a motive. Could it be connected to Leanne in some way? And Imran reluctantly explains that Sharon wasn't involved. It was a big-time drug dealer. He's not called Harvey by any chance, is he? Hmm. So So the cat is... So let's all remember... The cat is already out of the bag. Mm-hmm. People already know that sh- that sh- there's absolutely a connection to Sharon with the kidnapping and with Harvey. So that's done. <laughs> Let's all remember that. Sharon has done such a terrible job of being the uh, the unnoticed eavesdropper in conversations and stuff. And she's been caught going to Harvey in prison when... Harvey's got a perfectly good phone. Why do you have to go and see him? So yeah, everyone's in on it. Pretty much. Maybe too good of a perfectly good phone. So, how does he charge it? He must have a charger somewhere. Plugged and, a, in. and a PowerPoint in <laughs> his they, cell? It, does he have a PowerPoint in his cell? Maybe he has like one of those solar ones. Does he get sun in there? Does he have a window? Round the corner, uh, Jenny calls Rita, begs her to come home if she's with Sharon, and then suddenly, Sharon is behind her, and Jenny accuses her of kidnapping Sam and doing Harvey's dirty work for him. Sharon wants to explain, you're running off, you're, let me explain, damn it. But Jenny says that she's off to tell the police, so she runs off. So Sharon reaches into her handbag, pulls out a taser, tases Jenny, 
and then gives her some extra. Yeah. Have it. Right. To allow her butt to twitch on the And that's the bit that I thought was maybe, the bit where you see someone getting electrocuted was maybe a little. It's all I've got. It's all I've got. Because the actual taser thing you didn't see. You just, Jenny pulled her face and fell over. Right. Which was hilarious. Yeah. And then you see Sharon standing behind her with a, the taser in her hand. Right. God knows where she got that from. God knows how she keeps that charged. And God knows how she, there are absolutely nobody on the street to watch her do it. It's a ghost town. Yeah. Whereas, you know, five minutes before, so many people were walking all along that both Ronnie and Jenny were able to eavesdrop on other people's conversations. And Natasha was able to walk by Gary and accuse him of wrongdoing. <laughs> they must have all been inside watching these standards. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> so Sharon retracts the, the taser. Yeah, she also somehow. has time to retract the taser to roll it all back up. I, th- I thought it was a strange detail to show. She has time to do all of this and still there's nobody on the street. Until Tim. She cackles over the body when Tim comes along and believes Sharon when she says that she found Jenny like this and he goes off for help while she phones an ambulance. So, the tasering. Mm-hmm. That's meant to be funny, right? The way that it was done, surely that's meant to be funny. Right, yeah. See, this is why I kind of wrinkle my nose when you say I think the tasing may be the thing that they couldn't do. If it was, like, really violent. But oh. this is, like... Like, actual tasing It was is, a secondary right. shot that I, I thought might be the reason why. But even that's funny. He gets that little butt twitch. Yeah. And the whole avid, because that's become, like, a hashtag now. Yes, hashtag avid, yeah. Yeah. And it made me wonder, have, I mean, we, been, have I s- we been missing the point for this the whole time? Is this, has this always meant to be funny? I don't think so because Sam was kidnapped and Leanne is and Simon's lives are being threatened. Cause it made me wonder: Have we been just terribly po-faced about this? Because I've hated this storyline. Right. Yes. Most people have. And I'm, I'm worried I th- that I, think I just this, haven't got the joke because this was definitely played for laughs. Yes, I think this little bit was kind of played for laughs because we already know that Sharon's going to be caught. Well, does that then piss over everything that's happened before it that was supposed to be serious? Because she was pantomime villain that she was going about trying to get information about people. It was so over the top and awful. It was really over was the top that, and awful. Was it meant to be funny? No, see, remember what we have said about shows that are like really dark and stuff and how sometimes they throw a little comedy in to lighten it up. I think that's just what they're trying to do they're trying to breaking they're trying to breaking bad this storyline with a teaser yeah i mean it's no you know brian cranston in the desert in his tidy whities but it'll do Got a little man <laughs> drowning in my throat <laughs> it's brian cranston in his tidy whities ah. <laughs> So as ambulance pulls away, Tim explains to Johnny and Ronnie that Jenny is in there with Sharon. Panicked, Johnny rushes off and Ronnie wants to go too, but obviously can't. Right, yeah. Good job Sharon found her, eh? Says Tim, finger on the pulse as ever. Yes, yes, as Ronnie pulls a face. 
So at the hospital, Jenny comes round and sees Sharon, who warns her that unless Jenny backs off, she'll spill the guts to Johnny about her and Ronnie. Yes. Yeah, and, and instead of saying, you know, I've already told somebody and the police are already after you, Jenny just lays there. Right. It's, it's, it's a dead deal, Sharon. She's already told people. She doesn't have a lock on her phone, so Sharon's been through all her texts and made copies. Apparently there's only one person on the street who has a lock on their phone. And and that's only on a temporary basis, as we'll learn later. Yeah, and has facial ID. Not a word, she warns, as Johnny arrives. So Jenny plays along with Sharon's story, and Sharon promises to keep tabs on Jenny and Rita from now on. Wink, wink. She leaves, which allows Johnny to say things about how much she relies on Jenny and couldn't live without her. Meanwhile, back home... Gary's yeah, let's put a pin in that, <laughs> shall we? Gary is explaining to Tim that he's had a job offer from a mate in Bristol, which would make him much closer to that other kid he has. What's his name? Bobby. Zach. Bobby McGee. Zach. This is too much for Tim, who's had too much excitement, and it's not even lunchtime. What would Jenny been flat out on the cobbles with Sharon earlier? Gary looks up, makes his excuses and leaves. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the cabin, Rita finally gets Jenny's desperate message warning her to stay clear of Sharon and to call her immediately. So that sets her brain a, a fluttering. And Ronnie approaches Imran outside the memorial garden to find out what was said between Toya and Jenny because Jenny is suddenly in hospital after being found on the ground by Sharon. Hmm. Gary is walking by and is totally in. Imran reveals that he's just back from reporting Sharon to the police based on her connection to Harvey and some seriously dangerous blokes. So you're right, so the mm-hmm. cat's already... Out of the bag. Right, there is, there is no insurance policy anymore. No, there really isn't. The police now know about this. Right, yeah. And it didn't even take Jenny to tell them. Right. (laughs) So the threat is kind of empty. Sharon doesn't know the threat is empty, but the threat is empty. And Jenny's just going to make it emptier. Right. And I think that may be one of the reasons why Jenny confesses. I mean, there's lots of reasons why Jenny confesses. Are you surprised that um, a nurse doesn't say to Jenny, it looks very much like you've been tasered? Right, yeah. She has, she will have marks on her back. You'd have thought so, right? But it doesn't look like they've and taken... little fish hook things. These are fish hooks. Right, yeah. For all intents and purposes. Right, yeah. There will have been marks on her back, but it doesn't look like her body has been examined at all. She's still wearing her clothes. She just took her guardy off. That's it. That's it. So Gary goes to tell Maria again that he had nothing to do with the Sam getting kidnapped thing, and also he's moving to Bristol. She's indifferent to the news, but thinks it'll be good that he'll get to see Bobby McGee again. Good luck, she says. You've hurt too many people around here. Sean has quickly packed and is waiting for one of the goons to pick her up when she runs into Rita. Running off without saying goodbye, says Rita. It's hard to keep track of you. Tell me about it, says Sharon. No, says Rita. You fucking tell me about it or I'm calling the cops. Mm-hmm. And she ushers Sharon inside. And later, Johnny isn't sure why Jenny is so keen to get out and check on Rita, so she admits that Sharon tasered her. You can't go around tasering people, says Johnny <laughs> on the toilet. He's, and he's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> I mean, you can go on YouTube and see people getting tasered. Well, was that, uh, was that a Wisconsin congressman that got tasered live on camera deliberately? Uh-huh. To find out what it was like, I guess. And, yeah. Didn't like it. No. It didn't just pull a face and fall over either. No. And then, of course, there's the quit tasering me, bro guy. <laughs> quit tasering me. 
quit tasering me, bro. <laughs> uh, you can't go around just tasering people. Fine, we should do that, asks Johnny. Because you had me over a barrel, says Jenny. Johnny's confused, so Jenny has to explain Sharon bl- blackmailed her because she knew that Jenny had slept with Ronnie. Johnny, asks Johnny. No, Ronnie, shouts Jenny. Oh, says Johnny. So Jenny- I mean, you too, Johnny, but, you know. <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. A little bit more of column A than column B. Well, just because there's more of column A... And there is a column B. No, that's not what I meant. So Jenny wants to explain everything <laughs> that this be happening, but all Johnny wants to what know is when did this happen? And when Jenny tells him, he realises that he walked in on the two of them and gave them a surprise. Much as Jenny would like to sit around chatting about this, she reminds everyone that Rita's life is in danger. Right. To the Batmobile, shouts right. Johnny. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the cabin, Rita wants to know what the shit in hell is going on here. <laughs> Her phone goes and it's Jenny And Sharon wants that phone Are you taking it off mate? Asks Rita Aye says Sharon And she moves in ominously on Right Rita, but we don't And just it. takes it And Rita does not put up a fight Right Because the suggestion The suggestion was I will fight you for this mm-hmm. You will take this out of my cold dead hand mm-hmm. And she just took it Yeah Following an unseen skirmish Rita has worked out that All of this was a lie to get to Leanne what have you done, lady? Says Rita. Sharon decides to go through all her supposed mistakes of the past and paints a picture of a domineering Rita. The shop was hers to sell and all Rita cared about was getting even rather than being happy for Sharon. And it all worked out that she was lumbered with her own wayward soul in Wayne. She wishes things were different. <clears throat> yeah, that, that makes this all okay, Sharon. Right. In Roy's roles, Maria quizzes Imran about divorce. It's not been a year yet, and Imran recommends that this is more Adam's thing now that Imran is a hotshot defence attorney. He asks what Gary's done, and she explains about his role in getting Sam kidnapped. Imran quickly disabuses her of this. That weren't Gary. That was Shan what done that. Mm-hmm. So on the street, Sam is bragging to David about his new telescope that presumably he got as a reward for climbing into a van last week. To look at a telescope. It's the dog's bollocks, says Sam. Plus the case is padded on the inside, hard as fuck on the outside. Just like me, says David. (laughs) Sam goes through the same rigmarole with Gary, who then spots a white van from the other week outside the cabin and goes off to investigate. It's a metaphor. (laughs) It's a metaphor they're going to beat you over the head with. Quite literally. (laughs) Tipping off Imran as he does. He looks through the letterbox and she sh- and sees Sharn and Rita, and then he kicks in the door as Sharn tries to escape with the bearded goon. Gary nicks the keys out of the ignition of the van and runs away, pursued by Sharn and the goon, who now has a gun from somewhere. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't from it, Sharn's bag. Isn't presumably. it convenient that apparently that goon has no access to any other vehicle but the large white van to pick Sharn up in? We need something quick. Well, I have a large lumbering white van that might do the trick. That is also been, that is all that was also used in the kidnapping, and so people are going to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Surprised that Sam didn't have a PTSD reaction to seeing it again. Although he doesn't, he doesn't know that it. he was kidnapped, does he? he? As far as he's concerned, it was still just a right. mistake. And also, he doesn't see the van, doesn't he? No, he's in his back. Parked, he's in, parked right across the street from his house. He's in David's backyard. Front yard. 
Can't be in the backyard. <laughs> it's got a fence all the way around. It's got to be in the backyard. I think they've filled in the, the sinkhole by now. So anyway, Gary is cornered in the ginnel or somewhere and throws the keys back at them and Sharon goes off. No loose ends, says the goon. Really? <laughs> really? This no whole storyline is a loose end. Right. And also, really, you're going to alert people that you're here by shooting someone mm-hmm. without a silencer? Sharon has been going from house to house for the past month creating loose ends by tipping people off with small parts of the whole story. Also, the police already know. Gary isn't the loose end here. No. So anyway. Maybe maybe the goon was going to kill Sharon later too. We oh. hear a shot just after we see Sam slink through a little yeah, th- gate or something. Right. Which is how we know he's in the backyard. And what's happened is that he's twatted the goon with a telescope case and the goon's shot has missed Gary. Maria but we run- don't know that yet. Maria runs to see him and is clearly relieved. <laughs> Gary pockets the gun and thanks Sam for sa- saving his life. Soft on the inside, hard as fuck on the outside. Right, just like Gary. Sharon is oblivious to this and is sitting in the van when she hears sirens and just drives off as the police arrive. Which was disappointing. Right. It is kind of funny though that we have two seeds of somebody pulling a face and falling over. Yeah. I, I, I think that's deliberate. <laughs> Although Shan's uh, face when she no Jenny's face when she fell over was better than the bearded goons. I'm just I'm just really sad that the third person who falls over this week we don't get to see it. Through the back of the rovers, Rita is nursing a mammoth GNT for her nerves, and we're reminded that Jenny, who has burnt bacon, solved a mystery, been tasered, been hospitalised, and admitted infidelity so far today, is also responsible for Seb's wake. Wake here, I think, is interchangeable. I'd call it the wee cup of tea afterwards or the reception. Right. Hold yeah, because this is after the funeral. And a wake here definitely means something that happens it, before the funeral. Yeah, the night before, because right. that's what wake means. You stay awake with the body. You sit up with the body. Yeah, I've, I've heard it being used to describe both pre and post. See, post, it just doesn't stuff. make sense. Cause it's you're a not wee cup of tea. With, yeah, it's a wee cup of tea. It's the reception. Hold your loved ones close, says Rita, whose lines are 95% exposition these days. Later in the pub, Johnny has packed. Jenny calls it a... There was just a stupid mistake and they can get through it. But Johnny forgets his fling with Liz and his stupid criminal past and decides that it's over and he leaves. She slept with him once. She was not actively in... It wasn't an affair. ...another relationship with somebody else. Johnny! And she admitted it to you. Instead of it having to come out some other way, Johnny. Yeah, she admitted it because she's getting blackmailed. Well, still, she Not admitted it. She didn't have to. And uh, it's just, it's this is so infuriating to me. It's so, you know, patriarchal, just the whole men men can have affairs that get away with it but if their if their wives sleep with one person one time by accident by accident what his <laughs> cock just accidentally slipped in there yes it happens oops <laughs> you know how did that get there <laughs> it's it you know it's it's the end of the world and the man is leaving 
I thought we were I thought we were above this at this point. What gave you that idea? Uh, Other hope. rollers, Daisy, who's in it this week, is cheering is cheering Jenny up by telling her how much of a fucking loser Johnny is and how Ronnie is so much more her style. In comes Ronnie and Jenny's quick to ask him uh, to find He's somewhere so else to live something. because she was forced to spill the beans on their liaison. Oh, pig's tits, says Ronnie. He offers to have a word with Johnny, but Jenny asks him to leave again. So Daisy continues to work on Jenny as Johnny comes back to grab more of his things. He's been gone for like 15 minutes. And Jenny, where is he going? No idea. Jenny apologises again. All of his children are gone, except but, for Carla. Is he going to move in with Carla and Peter at the Barlow's? <laughs> yes. Jenny apologises again, but Johnny isn't interested and is now concerned about who else knows. Liz McDonald, says Jenny, and yeah. Johnny runs away from this valid point quickly enough for him not to have heard it. Why'd you bring that up? That was years ago. And it was like two years ago. That's not years ago. It is years ago. Did, two years ago is years. No, but when you say years, the clue you think is, like... The clue is years and two decades. years. Decades. Years ago. You, you think that, that's do you? Still, that's still present. That's not 2019. You don't think just, so if somebody says years ago, you think, well, that was like 1950. Outside the builders, Ed sees Ronnie with his bags. You've been chucked out again, he says. That was funny. Paul wonders if he gave Jenny a bad review on TripAdvisor, but Ronnie insists he gave her two thumbs up. Way up. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Wink, wink. Sick knuckle. Nudge, nudge. Then Johnny <laughs> comes storming towards him, looking for a word. Ronnie plays it cool. How's it going, mate, he says. Hey. How's it? How's it going? How's it hanging? Ronnie explains that he's the lowest of the low, always trying to clear up one mess of an or another that he's created. It's been a long day. Hit me and let's move on, he says. <laughs> but Johnny isn't in any condition to anyone and he actually this slumps back and collapses against a van that luckily is behind him, otherwise he's sparked out on the ground. Ronnie asks if Jenny is happy and despite everything hopes that they can be friends. They both laugh until Ronnie realises that he's not laughing for the same reason as Johnny. No. So Johnny comes back to the Rovers again and sees uh, and sends Daisy out to serve <laughs> Kev, who's apparently keeps, still waiting for a drink. He keeps he keeps leaving and then coming back. Mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of takes the drama out of it, doesn't it? Just a little. He explains a simple exchange thing. That, he, that he had with Jenny and reckons if Scott hadn't shown up, they'd be ticking along just fine. And Jenny doesn't look like she appreciates the term ticking along. No. Johnny decides that. A good idea is calling Jenny far from perfect. It seems that she's shite at reading best before dates on bread. Yeah, well, you had a secret criminal past, says Jenny, and he claims that he'd forgotten. And also a long-term affair with Liz. They'd forgotten all about that until Scott came back and he's paid for it. And he tries to make out that uh, being in prison was hell on earth when it looked an awful lot like just plain pool with Gary. And penning pretend cats. And all the while, she was getting her hole of the lodger. Just like you and Liz McDonald, she says. And Johnny really hates having this cast up. <laughs> Every time Liz McDonald's name's mentioned, he's forced to stand up. Right, and, and yeah. Throw his he, hands acts, in the air. He, he acts like this is an unfair thing for her to say. It's so ridiculous. He thought that she'd forgiven him. Yeah, well, maybe too easily, she says. Where's the trust, he asks. And he, <laughs> and he doesn't think he could have forgiven, he could have forgiven Jenny here anyway. Yeah, she forgave you for a long-term affair with someone who worked for you at the time and you can't forgive one night of indiscretion. 
Fuck you, says Jenny. She's glad Ronnie came along. I've wasted five years of my life. Now sling your hook. Buy your own bloody bread and don't come back this time. Amen, sister. And he storms out. Amen, sister. And that's as far as we get with that story. Right. Busy old day for Jenny. Don't come back with another another thing. (laughs) By the way, that bread thing that I said, it's not just bread, it's bacon as well, which is why it was burnt. You're a terrible cook. Because women are terrible cooks in this show, remember? It's it's so ridiculous how Johnny is blowing this out of proportion. And it's not, it's not, it, it seems like the thing that bothers him isn't the fact that Jenny cheated. It's the fact that he seems to think everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. And when it happened. Right. And also that Ronnie is more attractive and younger than he is. Even it, that doesn't seem to be the thing it, that bothers it him. It really seems... Well, he makes he does make a comment about it. It's the who knows it, thing is very important. Right, yeah. But this mm, is Johnny, and this is people more, of Johnny's age. Much more than, you know, well, why would my wife have have felt the need to do this? What is wrong in our relationship? What have I not been bringing to the table that would make her do this after, you know, after spending so many months visiting me in prison? taking care of me, refusing to leave me when I tried to push her away cruelly and horribly. Because mm-hmm. let's not forget that. Yep. Let's not forget the awful things he said to her when he was trying to push her away. He wanted a divorce. He was, wanted a clean break for when he went to prison. Right. So that she could move on. And fuck Johnny. Right. Johnny. And Ronnie. Then, Ronnie. Ronnie. Yeah. Not Johnny. Yeah, he didn't have anybody particularly in mind, but yeah, you know, and then when that thing happens once and she immediately regrets it because she loves him for some reason, even though he can't eat chili con carne without rice. Timbot4000 says who eats chili con carne without rice. That's right. Americans. You're awfully quiet these days, Timbot, you're right. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Okay, fair enough. Right, just right. brought it up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's, it's, this sucks so bad. Where's Sharon going? I don't know. I'm I'm a little disappointed that she's not caught. I, I it feels like that's we that we have been Shortchanged. Shortchanged of the payoff of getting of Sharon being caught. She's Darth Vader spinning around in his little spaceship at the end of Star Wars to come back in Empire. You think that, that he's dead and he's not dead. Sharon has managed to slink off in a oversized Volkswagen van and somehow has managed to sneak away from Coronation Street. Does this mean Leanne and Nick and Simon can come home now? Does it? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't think it does. I don't think that's changed right. in any way. In, in fact... Presumably in, there's more people in Harry's employ than that one bearded chap in Sharon. Right. Yeah. That's the thing too. This criminal organisation is three people. This guy, <laughs> Sam would be able to recognise this guy. And Gary would be able to recognise this guy. Why is this... Why didn't she just get a taxi? There's a train station right there. Tram station. Tram station. Mark the difference for me, please. Uh, still, it just... 
the fact that she gets picked up by the beardy guy in a the big white van is just it's just plot isn't it and it's kind of lazy mm-hmm. well it gave it, us a <laughs> it gives a very amusing scene with some <laughs> telescope case well yes and you know other storylines are very well written this week so i guess we could forgive this because this whole storyline has just been so ridiculous from day one do you think johnny's on the outs then the two of them that felt kind of final but then johnny has been back and forth on a number of occasions when it looked like it was over yeah and i kind of hope that they are in fact that's not true i really hope that they are and that jenny and ronnie will because look how much more interesting jenny is all of a sudden yeah yeah it's like she's gotten a new life Mm -hmm. johnny being out of her um out of her stories leaving jenny to be to have a kind of liaison and even just the the interest and the threat of a liaison with ronnie mm-hmm. was far more interesting than anything that right that jenny's done in, in weeks and months and she gets her own storyline with the whole sharon thing that has nothing to do with johnny mm-hmm. in fact the only thing johnny contributes is to tell her not to do it Right. It's to hide her light under a bushel again. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah what does this mean for the rovers, though? Well, he owns it. So well, they own it. Uh, I think he owns it. I think he maybe had it before they got married. No, they were... No. No, they were already married when Peter still owned it. Oh, Peter, that's right, yeah. Remember when Peter owned the rovers? And then they bought it from him because he said, I can't own this anymore because I'm an alcoholic. And the whole world says, we, we tried to tell you this. <laughs> You're not Sam Malone. Yeah. 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 I can't see Peter playing well, I guess the Red Sox. It, it would require Jenny to buy Johnny out or Johnny to buy Jenny out, I guess, mm. one way or the other. I'd rather have Jenny involved in it than Johnny. Mm. She'll need. I mean, I'd need, need to find someone else to do the Monday night quiz, but. Yeah, Not and she'll need somebody with uh, with some money to spare. Who do we know on the street who has an interest in Jenny who has money to spare? Sean? <laughs> Stranger things have harmed. Homeless Carol? <laughs> Our next storyline today is uh, Peter's liver. Uh, on Monday... <laughs> Adam doesn't with some fava beans. A nice nice chianti. Adam, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory waiting on Sarah, who's happy to stall him from the liver donation question panel thing. She doesn't want Adam's liver anywhere near that stinking alky. Sarah Lou is just the most horrible person on the street, isn't she? She's just she's just an awful person. I'm going to keep my opinion. She's an awful person. She's an awful person. Carla comes in and lays it on thick, ever so grateful for Adam and Daniel giving Peter a sliver of hope. Mm -hmm. And a sliver of liver. Sarah, who doesn't have bangs this week, uh, rolls her eyes. Later at the bistro, Adam and Sarah are still arguing about Peter's liver. My body, my choice, says Adam. It'll never catch on. Oh, God. (laughs) It's family. But Sarah points out that he's not motivated by family here. He's motivated by guilt. He could and be motivated by both, Sarah. Too big a risk. He could be motivated by both. Back at the factory, Carla is trying to get hold of Lucas to settle his order, but he's not answering his phone, and this is now dead suspicious and might result in Carla telling Sarah that she was right. 
So over the course of a meal, Adam has decided not to offer up his liver and has withdrawn from the process thanks to Sarah. Turns out that he's a wuss when it comes to general anaesthetics anyway. Sarah thinks it's for the best. He's not responsible for his 56-year-old alky uncle and yes. suggests it's best to let Carla explain this to Peter herself. 56, he's ancient. It surprised me that that's how old he is. I always really? think Peter to be in his 40s, yeah. No. I know he doesn't look it, but... No. Adam and Sarah. Remember when people, when people were shocked and said that Peter and Abby shouldn't date because of the age difference? I think I was maybe one of those people. <laughs> Adam and Sarah got into the factory to speak with Carla. but Kev she's is older than 56. Right, but she's too consumed with something other than Peter's liver. Your favourite four words, I told you so, she says to Sarah. Lucas has gone and done the dirty on them. Yeah. He's taken this order and he's not paid them. That was a bit of a left field, wasn't it? Well, they were kind of setting it up. Did they? Yeah, with him not paying his order last week. Yeah, that this is the same thing. Yeah, but yeah, they set it up last week. Uh-huh. But that that and, whole thing, him not and paying, it's kind of out of left field. He was kind of suspicious from the start, wasn't he? Because remember, they were supposed to meet with him and his business partner, and then at the last minute, the business partner oh, that's can't true. be there. Mm-hmm. So if you go back, you can connect the dots. So Carla's been on the phone. While there are far more important things to be bothered with in other storylines, it seems Lucas's business partners knew nothing about the Underworld deal and he's done a moonlight flip. Sarah wants to go to the police, but Carla has a better idea. And by better idea, she means stupid idea. Let's get the stuff back ourselves. With all this going on, Adam decides to tell Peter himself that his liver is no longer on the menu. At Lucas's warehouse, Carla has found the Underworld stock, but it's behind a locked door. So Carla gets a crowbar and jimmies the door, ignoring Sarah's secondary suggestion of just going to the police. <laughs> so they're loading the Underworld van as Sarah quizzes Carla about her relationship with Lucas. Carla remembers that Sarah and Adam wanted to speak with her about something earlier, and then they're interrupted by an elderly security guard. Sarah hides in the van. Singing a song about Massachusetts. Close, <laughs> closing the door on Carla. <laughs> basically throwing her under the knicker factory van, so to speak. But in keeping with members of the bumbling security guard union, this bumbling security guard is pretty bumbling and wanders off without detecting Carla. Mm. Almost like he had no point in being there. Because he gets a call from his wife. Mm -hmm. To which she says, try switching it off and switching it back on again. (sighs) Women with technology. (laughs) You'll be asking them to cook bacon next. Adam meets up with Peter at the bistro and gives him the bad news. He won't be offering up his liver after all. And Peter is disappointed but seems to understand Adam's reluctance. He's also yellow again. It's back to being yellow, yeah. Yeah. That's good makeup. Yeah, it, it felt a little abrupt though because I thought he was kind of in remission and kind of a little bit better, but now it seems like he's yellow again. Mm-hmm. Back in Weatherfield, Carla and Sarah are relieved to get away from that strange plot point. They're briefly interviewed by a policeman who isn't Craig, who asks if they heard the gunshot, but this is news to them, and they palm it off by saying, well, it's noise in the factory. Then Carla gets a call from Peter, and now has a very hard stare for Sarah. Adam's pulled out, but not like that. (laughs) Carla thinks this is a whole new level of selfishness, and calls Adam a coward. Daniel's still doing it, she says. And maybe he shouldn't, says Sarah. Carla asks if she thinks that Adam pulling out is the right thing. And she admits that she thinks that it is. And let's all remember that this was this was Daniel's idea. P- 
Peter didn't want either one of them to do it. Mm -hmm. And yet Sarah is acting like Carla and Peter were holding a gun to both Daniel and Adam's heads, you know, demanding a piece of their livers. She's, she's just, she's so wrong in so many ways about this whole thing. And she's being like, like her whole, like, when 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 Adam in the bistro brings up the fact that Daniel maybe shouldn't be doing this because Bertie. it because Bertie Sarah says yeah well you're a married man with a stepson yeah and a stepdad and it's like yeah Adam has really been one hundred percent helping in the care and raising of little Henry <laughs> Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and Daniel's father of the year, right? Seriously, e- except he isn't, right? You know, Sarah is she's accusing Carla of being selfish, but she is really the selfish one here. Mm. No, the decision she is. though was a team decision. Carla reckons that this is all down to Sarah. Sarah points out that Peter is a booze-addled mess and Adam has the rest of his life ahead of him. The risk-reward doesn't add up, especially as Peter will probably fall off the wagon two minutes after the operation's done. (laughs) Carla says it's a disease. Sarah thinks Carla is a disease and no one else matters in the world but her. She doesn't blame her for rooting for Peter. Which is exactly what Sarah's doing. But surely she has to understand why Sarah would be rooting for Adam. Fair enough, says Carla. This isn't rooting. If Peter dies, it won't be on you. And Sarah doesn't think for a moment that it would be and wasn't looking for Carla's blessing. If Peter dies, Sarah won't regret the decision. Yeah, but Adam will. Carla says she won't regret sleeping with Adam, which was a bit out of nowhere. Right, yeah, okay. This is where this is where my support for Carla sort of wanes, but Sarah is still the worst person. She doesn't reckon that he regrets it either. After all, Sarah is just a backup. Sarah reckons Carla is Missy's backup, and that's all Peter's good for. You're a joke, Carla, and so's Peter. But not what like shall that. we do with a drunken sailor? Who gives a fuck? says Sarah. Seriously, this is <laughs> She does not give a fuck about a man's life. And she has no She has lived on the street all her life and she has no concept of alcoholism. At speed dial, Sarah catches Adam up with a chat with Carla about how Adam is only with her because he's settling and he's furious about this and he refuses to play Carla's game. It shouldn't have happened, he's embarrassed about it and he thanks Sarah for bringing them to his senses about the liver thing and that's as far as we get with that this week. <sighs> I don't think Sarah's entirely wrong. She's entirely wrong. I don't think she's entirely she's wrong. She's entirely wrong. Nobody asked Adam to do this. He volunteered. He was pressured into it by Daniel. By Daniel, mm-hmm. not Peter. Sarah is acting like this is some huge conspiracy of Carla and Peter, you know, to ruin Adam's life. And that's not the case. Peter had to be talked into this. This has nothing. And, and who she- talked Peter into it? Carla and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Daniel. This was all Daniel's idea. Oh, you're right. It didn't come from Carla. She helped. She she thinks thinks this is a great idea. She's for it. Right. She's for it, but it wasn't her idea. But she's still for it. Right. And this whole, well, he's an alky, so he'll just ruin this one too. Yeah, probably not. You know, 
yes, that's always going to be hanging over Peter's head because it is a lifelong disease. It's incurable. But this kind of attitude does not help an alcoholic stay on the wagon. People saying, well, you're just going to ruin things anyway. So why bother trying to help you? If, and if it's, Sarah is guilty of anything, it's for pointing out that Peter isn't the centre of everyone's universe. Right, and nobody is saying that he is. It's not, And it's not like he's giving him a kidney or something. He's not losing his liver. He's losing a tiny piece of his liver. Not even... It's one of, as far as transplants go from a living donor, this is probably the least problematic. It's, it's just, it's so selfish of Sarah. And it is all of, she's, she's accusing, she's projecting. She's accusing people of doing things that she, her fa- in fact, is doing because she doesn't, she and Adam just got back together because of the whole Adam Carla thing. She just got back together with him and now she doesn't want to lose her cash cow. <gasps> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. She loves she loves those nights out in the hotels and him buying her lots of presents. She owns a factory. She co-owns a factory with her brother, and she doesn't have any money invested in that factory. It's all Nick. Let's be honest. Nick gave her a job. She's not a co-owner. Sarah, and just the way Sarah has been so cruel about saying that nobody should give a fuck about Peter. I mean, she's not even somebody that Peter has hurt directly. If anything, you'd think she'd be Team Peter against Adam and Carla. You would think. It's not like Peter is Sarah's father, for Pete's sake. If anybody should be saying these things about Peter, it should be Simon. And yet Simon loves his dad. Because that's what family does. Even when they're shit people, you do what you can for them because you don't want them to die. Even though they're the worst people in the world. So Sarah needs to just back off and let Adam be a member of his own family. Sarah would be quite what happy, the hell? I think, if Peter dies. I don't think she's entirely wrong. Our next storyline today is the complete rehabilitation of Gary Windass, supervillain, and his many unnamed children. On Thursday, <laughs> Maria catches up with Gary after the gun incident and is relieved he's okay. She apologises for all the conclusions that she jumped to earlier, and she suggests, suggests that the two of them go grab a bite to eat at the bistro later after he's met up with his kid. Angus O'Flaherty. <laughs> Call me, she says. And later in the pub, Maria admits to seeing her man about getting a divorce, and then five minutes later she thought that he was dead. What a, a maelstrom of emotion. She's been waiting for that since they got together. That feeling that he's dead. Cl- this is this is such a cliche at a at a trope, isn't it? The whole I hate you so much, I don't want to ever see you again. And then you have a near-death experience, and I realize that I love you. A little bit. Yes. But it feels at Maria's level. <laughs> he asks if she wants him to stay, and she needs to think about it. But it's looking like the kids might be okay here. So they've ended up at the bistro, and they chat about getting saved by a 10-year-old, gorillas in Bristol, and offspring that may or may not be called Gregor Fitzcharleston. 
Gary leaving to get his wiki hole. The banter is such low quality that Maria doesn't want Gary to leave, but reckons it might be for the best. He suggests that they start from scratch again, and he does that thing where they let's pretend that we're not even married, let's pretend that we haven't even been going out, mm-hmm. and he introduces himself as Ginger Gary. <laughs> she introduces herself as Maria. Really imaginative so mm-hmm. far. He asks her out for a drink and she points out, well, we're already doing that. And he reckons, well, this is going very well hmm. and says that he would invite her back to his place, but they don't like guests at Hotel Metcalf. So she says that he can sleep at hers, but there'll be no shagging. <laughs> Actually, fuck it. You can shag me if you like. Classy as ever, Maria. They don't They don't accept guests at Hotel Metcalf. They do, though. Yeah. The, the fame was having Craig up mm-hmm. a couple of times. Right. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just they don't want Gary to bring... Are we finally saying making Gary the supervillain was a terrible mistake? Now let's just pretend that it never happened. Let's get Gary and Maria back together again. He's slightly dodgy. He skirts around the edges of... He killed a man! By accident. He skirts around... Self-defense, not accident. He skirts around the edges of right and wrong. It's what he was. Then they drop him into the whole... uh, roof collapse thing and all of a sudden he's this murderous villain who can't be trusted and he's nefarious. No, he's and killed two people. He's killed one person by malpractice accident and, and one, one person by accident. So He's hard on the outside and soft on the inside. Gary is the telescope case. <laughs> I wonder how much this has been affected by COVID if they really had a long-term plan for Gary to be the baddie that they keep on claiming. No, because, because he wasn't the newspapers, before COVID. The newspapers still call him supervillain. Well, the newspapers say an awful lot of things about the show that just aren't true. Let's be honest. He's not a supervillain anymore. He's not, he's he never, never he a never super was. Villain. He was never he's a just villain. going back to being the kind of dodgy kind of guy. And it's, it's kind of like the, oh, well, you know, he had a hard life co- coming up so of course he's going to be a little bit dodgy and you know he tries to do the right thing and at every turn it was interesting um i found it interesting that except for like one little comment between adam and sarah about lover boy that sarah just doesn't seem to care that gary almost died so i think that really put a pin in in that whole thing. It either puts a pin in it or they forgot to <laughs> give her a reaction. Right, yeah. One of the two. And yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced it's one more than the other right. at this point. But Well, I mean, she... Let's face it. She, she does a lot better with Adam. Yeah. And her and Gary was so last year. No, it's, so two years ago. Well, when did they split up? I think... I think I think they all got married to each other around about a year ago. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, Sarah and Adam got married before the pandemic. Gary and Maria got married during the pandemic. At the start, remember really, that really sad wedding? Awful wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, you know. She needs a decent storyline. Do you think they're ever going to dig up Rick the Chin? <laughs> Is that ever going to happen? Well, there was a threat is, that, that Gary was ever... going to go to Bristol. And it's like, you, he can't possibly go to Bristol and still have all this kind of hanging over him with uh, Rana and Rick the Chin hanging over him. <laughs> Surely they're not just going to let him go to Bristol. 
and, well, and then we forget surely, about the whole thing. Surely they wouldn't have let this play out this long. On occasion, things go on for years, right? But and this will come back at the most inopportune moment, I guess. But at least I'm not writing them out, or or worse still, having them killed by a bearded goon. I know part that of was awful storyline. That was the whole thing. Was like you know, Sam whacks the guy over the head, and you see Gary slide down the fence, and you think, "What the hell?" And what should have happened is that Sam picks up the gun and finishes the job. <laughs> Boom. Or that you know, not that the guy missed, but that Gary gets injured in some way. No, we can't have him getting shot again. And like, missing everything. Get shot in the balls or something, you know? Because, <laughs> yeah. it's it, you know, because like Maria's like, well, you nearly died, and it's kind of like, did he? Well, we all nearly died. We all crossed the street, <laughs> right? In a parallel universe somewhere, that bullet did indeed hit his balls. Uh, How do I get to that universe? Our final storyline. <laughs> our final storyline today is putting the fun in funeral. On Monday, Abby is walking down the street alone. Nandina comes out of Roy's Rolls and watches her pass in silence. Abby's on the way to see The Undertaker want to spend some time alone in private with Seb. The Undertaker is lovely and leads Abby into the back room where Seb's coffin waits. Meanwhile, ITV Corey is suited and booted. He's not going to the funeral, he tells Ash on the street. Thank fuck for that. He's just going to watch and pay his respects. Asha doesn't think that this is a good idea. And Nina comes out and is furious to see that the two of them together. Oh, that needs to stop, Hartman. Yeah, this is Timbot 4000's protest the Revenger, not being used. The Revenger Timbot 4000. <laughs> Who'd have thought that would have happened? That was Timbot 4000. Where did we get to? So yeah, so Nina comes out and is furious to see that the two of them are together and more so when Asha says that she believes ITV Corey didn't kill Seb. Abby has packed a bag for Seb. It's a t-shirt from Glasto, a fantasy book, his phone, his earbuds and a photo album with a day out at the zoo. She wishes that she could remember half of the things that he used to come away with. She remembers what a bad mother that she was what a bad childhood she had. The drugs that she took were to block that out, but instead, no, she they doesn't have pictures. Out. She, it's all mostly new pictures because she's sold all of her old phones and never printed any pictures out. Apparently, from those old phones. Nina goes to the factory to show Carla some new designs, but really wants some advice. Asha's back with ITV Corey, and she's worried that she's got it all wrong. Carla says, "What does your gut say?" He's guilty as fuck, says Nina. Go with your gut, says Carla. And he, she says, do you always go with your gut to Carla? Carla says, yes. And then starts laughing. <laughs> so Kev goes to the undertakers to get Abby. It's time. She needs to get ready, but Abby isn't ready to say goodbye yet. Then don't, says Kev. He can be with you all the time. Then Roy rolls. Nina runs into Asha, who fails to explain her plan, but just says, nothing is as it seems. Then she throws Roy under the bus by revealing that they've saved her dresses. Nina doesn't want Asha to ever speak to her again or even say her name. Abby and Kev have gone to the memorial garden and she observes all the shops and businesses in the street and how one of them has her dead son inside. 
Kev sees Nina walk by and remarks on how different she looks. Poor Kiddy says, and then snaps Abby out of her reflection and she's bitter again. Not you and all, she says to mm-hmm. Kev. And later, Nina is drawing a graphic novel where she's the villain of her own story. She blames herself for Seb's death, so she doesn't blame Abby for not wanting her to be at the funeral. She'll write her own eulogy, how Seb was bright and funny and irritating, and now he's just dead. She hurries off, leaving Roy to look at the drawings in her book. Don't look at me, one of the panels shouts. And Roy goes to see Abby, and she's losing patience. Look, if she wants to come to the funeral, she can come to the funeral. She doesn't give a fuck. Roy seems to want Abby to reach out to Nina. The second to last thing he wants to do is to upset Abby, but the last thing he wants is to lose his Nina. And he leaves her sketchbook with Abby. And I loved that. I loved that, you know, I don't want to lose my Nina. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I want to. I don't want to lose Nina. It was, I don't want to lose my, my Nina. Nina. Oft. So she can Oft. still be there, but not be his Nina. Right. Mm. Oft. So Abby and Kev are ready for the funeral. Kev's not had a shave. Jesus, no. Kev. Fucking hell. And she looks though she looks through the sketchbook which seems to have made Abby see sense. Seb would have wanted her and Nina to support each other, which is absolutely true. And mm-hmm. now we have the old Abby back and I'm kinda mm-hmm. glad. Yes. So at Roy's rolls, Nina is looking for her sketchbook. Roy has a tale to tell about that. He lent it to Abby. And Nina is affronted at how this looks, and when Abby comes in, she frantically insists that she had nothing to do with this. This was Roy. Abby has a black bag because Roy has told her where uh, all Nina's clothes are. Right. And she wants Nina to come. Front row beside me, she says. Come as a real you. Don't take away the things that you loved about you. I made him a target, says Ab- says Nina. You made him happy, says Abby. And I was like, oh, I'm not crying. No. <laughs> I'm not crying I'm yet. not crying. <laughs> You're crying. Oh, it's the front row beside me thing just fucking broke me. Right. Oh, my God. You know, there are certain uh, etiquette parts of these traditions like weddings and funerals which yeah. have some heft to them and sitting down at the front in a funeral is, is one of those things mm-hmm. and even being in the same car as mm-hmm. the as the immediate family is a big deal yeah and she's affording she's gone from blaming nina not really she, i think she, on some level she knew that she was wrong to do that but she's gone from that to basically elevating Nina up to her rightful place. The importance of that relationship mm-hmm. suddenly is, is real. And that was... Oh, that wasn't nothing. Right. And that, you know, Seb had said to her that Nina is, is the one. Mm-hmm. And that all, all the others were training. Sorry, Faye. Um, and Alina. <laughs> and, and Emma. Emma. <laughs> and... It, just the whole thing is beautiful. I'm a little disappointed that after all that, Nina is not wearing makeup or one of her dresses. No, she's wearing and her black, hair is still down. But yeah, yeah. After all that, come as you truly are. She doesn't have time to put her makeup on and throw a dress on. Well, I'm not sure that she did, because this is all right. more or less real time, yeah. and the the cars. Realistically, she doesn't, but this is not a show that weighs heavily on realism. We had someone tasered. I I get (laughs) get it. So the hearse rolls along Coronation Street again as Asha and Emma and Sally all watch on. Abby and Kev come out of the house and she can't not look at the coffin. Nina and Roy join them and Abby asks Nina to ride with her. Then Nina sees ITV Corey and she loses her shit. I wanted to pay my respects, he says. 
they're paid, says Roy. Now fuck off. And so he fucks off. Yeah, and the, before shouting, I want to pay my respects. Yeah, this it's isn't like, about you. Right, first of all. Second of all, do you not understand that this makes you look guilty as hell? <laughs> right. You know, this is what... This is why the police will go to the funeral of someone who's been murdered because mm-hmm. the murderer almost always shows up. Right. Because they think that by showing up it makes them look less guilty. Right. After the funeral, Abby doesn't want to go at the Rovers and she doesn't want to go home. ITV Corey's still hanging around it and says how sorry he is and how he can't sleep. Nina isn't having any of it, calls him a murderer and wants to know how he can dare to press for sympathy here. He admits to feeling guilty but it wasn't him. He tries to talk to Abby, but Nina puts an end to that. You're fooling no one, you murderer, she says. Asha tells him to leave, and Abby sees something in his eyes before he turns and goes. Like, she sees the truth, I think, of the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asha heads to the memorial garden alone and cries her eyes out. That was, again, mm-hmm. a, a, a very oofty moment. Yeah. Abby's out the back of the Rovers, and she hears ITV Corey further along the ginnel on the phone, laughing and joking with whoever it is that, she, that he's speaking to, calling Inc. Roy a prick for telling him to fuck off, and how he put his best sad face on, and how Abby's a right psycho, and uh, Abby sees a broken bottle on the ground, picks it up, and follows ITV Corey further down the ginnel, and out mm-hmm. onto the street. Mm-hmm. And so she's storming after ITV Corey, who's heading to the kebab shop, and it's, he's actually at the point on the phone where he's saying that he's thinking about hitting on Nina, because she's not dressed up as a goth anymore, which was just the worst thing. And it's left to Asha to talk Abby down, reminding her that the way to solve Seb's violent death isn't by violently killing ITV Corey in a kebab house. Abby realises this and breaks down in the street. And later at the side of the factory, Abby is meeting up with an old dealer friend who sees her in her funeral garb and asks who died. You, if you don't hand the stuff over, you prick, she says. So Asha catches ITV Corey on his way out of the kebab shop. He's still playing the pay my respects card and is ready to head back home but Asha tells him that she doesn't want to be alone she wants to be with him and suggests to go back to the empty flat that he continues to have access to so Asha's got the beers in and the drink to Seb ITV Corey's keen to get down to get in his hole but Asha stalls wanting to speak to the night of the murder to set the mood better and get it off his chest the buzzer goes and Asha announces oh that must be my pizza that I ordered and sure enough she goes and collects the, bo- the pizza box from the door Nina and Roy are back, and Nina wants to go for a walk alone to clear her head. He reckons that her dad would have been so proud of her and how she handled herself. Yeah, cheer me up with news of my dead dad, she says. That was quite funny. And then she says that she's just joking. Roy keeps a close eye on her as she walks away, and then Nina spots Abby hanging around outside the flats. Back inside, Asha secretly spikes ITV Corey's beer as he grows suspicious of the situation. (laughs) She doesn't like... She just like dumps it dumps in. It, in. <laughs> and it looks like she maybe like swirls it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Gets it up the sides of the glass, nice. She explains <laughs> that it feels not... it feels weird getting your hold given the situation, and she wants to just hang out and enjoy the beers. He thinks getting her hold might just be the ticket to getting back to normal, and stops just short of saying it's what Seb would have wanted. <laughs> Asha begs him to stay, stay the night, or at least finish that beer. That you're drinking out of a glass, but I'm still drinking out of a bottle mm-hmm. because that's not suspicious at all. But don't you think it had the kind of ineptitude of a, a child attempting the ruse? Right, yeah. So it kind of worked, I thought. On another child. Mm-hmm. Nina thinks Abby is using again or is up to no good. Let's see what Kev has to say about this. So Abby has to explain a plan to stop her. 
she delivered drugs with a pizza and Asha's now going to drug ITV Corey and then get into his phone. Which she totally knew is what happened with that pizza. Nina thinks this is an awful idea and Asha shouldn't be alone with this monster and her willingness to participate isn't an excuse. Abby says someone needs to do something, check through his phone and if anything goes tits up, she'll call. In the flat, ITV Corey's sparked out so Asha grabs his phone and points it at him because face ID is a thing on Corey today. Right. It's at the point where when she was doing that, I was sitting thinking, what on earth is she doing? Is she trying to take a selfie of him or something? <laughs> but no, face ID is a thing. So Nina and Abby are hanging around anxiously waiting for something to happen. So Nina stares at Abby long enough to force her to call Asha. <laughs> Meanwhile, Asha's going through ITV Corey's phone as he wakes up. The fuck are you doing? So the whole face ID thing, it's funny because another show that I watch did something with face ID this this week. That other show that Jean Smart is in, the the hacks one about her being a comedian in Las Vegas, where her assistant has to delete a voicemail that she left for her. So she takes the phone and she goes to the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum and holds it in front of oh, that's Smart's wax figure and it works. <laughs> that was a little bit funnier than the whole Asha thing. Yeah. But also it suggests that the Madame Tussauds wax works actually look like who they're supposed to look like when pretty much none of them do. <laughs> or they, they lose their exactness after a while. They get dusty. ITV Corey staggering around the flat as Abby and Nina come in. Asha's surprised to learn that Nina is now in on the plan as she reveals that maybe she gave ITV Corey too much of whatever it was, which really has to be Abby's fault. Don't give Asha all of it. Give her enough of it. And there wasn't that much. Asha's search of ITV Corey's text... And obviously it wasn't enough because he's staggered about. So he's drawn a a blank. ITV Corey shouts that he did nothing wrong. He runs out the flat and falls down the stairs because he's a fanny. Knocking himself and out. we don't get to see it. I'd have loved to have seen that. Ah, it, uh, of, Sa- of Sam's standing the... at the top of the stairs with his legs <laughs> sticking out. Of all of the pull a face and fall over, right? That yeah, we would have really loved to, have seen. to see. You know, and things should come in threes. They should. We've Com- got the three falling overs. Mm-hmm. We should get the face pull as well. <laughs> <laughs> What a funny. And uh, so Abby's, this is a weird scene. So Abby leaves the flat to go check on ITV Corey and then comes back to the flat and says, Yep, he's still out cold, lying in the middle of a stairwell, just waiting to be found. Ne- probably not- broke his neck or should have broken his neck, but yeah. Nice to see the stairwell, though, the flats. Yeah. Don't see that very often. Nope. Nina proposes just letting him die, but Asha thinks maybe saving him is for the best. Nina lets Abby cast a deciding vote. And she decides to phone an ambulance. The non-Craig police officer has questions for all three of them. They're standing about, still in the funeral garb, like there's something that would be Macbeth. Mm. Until Abby points out that DS Blondie is on the case, and so off the PC saunters. Asha reveals that she's still got ITV Corey's phone. So at Roy's Rolls, Asha's been able to get back in at the phone, so presumably Face ID isn't a thing anymore. She's looking at his health app and can see that he was near the scene of the murder in the middle of the night a couple of days afterwards, somewhere near the river. And we're reminded that this is a new phone, so this is stuff that the police don't know. Right. They take the phone to the police and explain it's sus as fuck that he was half a mile from the scene of the murder at three o'clock in the morning two days after. Never mind how we've got the phone. Okay, says DS Blondie. We'll look into it. And also it stands to reason that if it's on this phone, it should be on the phone... 
Oh, from the I day mean, you of. seriously going to do this? This is this is a show where Face ID works one day and doesn't work another day, and you're going to say that this should have been backed up to the cloud. <laughs> That's what you're about to say. No, it? no, it's that the police have their this other phone, the old one, right? And um, Corey has been insisting all along that he wasn't there anymore, and stuff although now we you know he has admitted that he ha- was there and that he tried to help they tried to pull kelly off but not like that you know it, it it would prove that he was a liar already and that he was there oh that no, the, the old man mm-hmm. is in my throat now but not like that i'm not sure what point you're making uh it's just bad policing <laughs> go figure <laughs> So Deus Blondie goes to see ITV Corey in hospital. ITV Stefan is with him. She asks ITV Corey about his visits to Orphanage Lane and ITV Corey claims to know nothing about it. She goes through some of the CCTV footage that they've now got their hands on thanks to the um, the phone app information which shows him being there at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was there the night of the attack with a rucksack and in a tracksuit and they pick him up later in jeans and a hoodie and no rucksack. And two days later he's there again with a rucksack heading towards the river. She asks if he threw it in the river and he denies it. And she tells him that they have divers looking for it and so he admits that he got rid of the rucksack but only because he was scared it would wrongfully incriminate him. And all the while, DS Blondie just ignores ITV Stefan like he isn't there. I know, which was brilliant. Oh, it was so good. So good. <laughs> Loved it. So Abby finally gets home. Kev is asleep in the chair and she takes out the order of service from her pocket and smiles as she touches the picture of Seb. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Lots of good stuff in there. Yep. Uh, Abby and, and Nina getting back together. Yeah. And and everything. That, I really like that, that good. visual image of the three of them dressed in black mm-hmm. together. Macbeth's witches. Mm-hmm. But good witches. Mm-hmm. Actually, the witches in Macbeth's bad. No. I don't think they are, are they? They're just the Greek chorus. Right. But you're not expecting that from a Corey podcast. <laughs> now, this little team that they had, right. where Abby kind of takes charge because mm-hmm. she's the adult. Right. Although sometimes she doesn't adult. exactly behave like the adult. No. But the three of them all kind of teaming up against ITV Corey was definitely the way to go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the whole, you know, joy. her marching down the street with that broken bottle. Oofed, yep. Just, you know, the goddess of... of vengeance mm-hmm. and asha talking her down and everything Asha's walking beside her her arms out imploring her yeah. to, to think about what she's doing and what she wants i thought that was yeah. exceptionally good as well it's really sad that thanks to covid we don't get to see the funeral or yeah. the reception afterwards but i think that abby bringing him bringing seb a rucksack with you know the next book in the series that he loves mm-hmm. and not only does she bring his phone but also his charger and his headphones mm-hmm. you know she's it's just it's heartbreaking and it was just so well done yep. and just lovely yeah i think they've kind of over the past few days leading up to this they kind of tried to make her this kind of hardened character mm-hmm. where she was 
just filled with anger, absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, entitled to, to be so. Absolutely. But, but seeing that, um, you know, because she'd had a running with The Undertaker as well, let's not forget. Mm. But that whole him, he knows what he's doing here. Right, he absolutely, deals with this, he knows what he's doing. Day in, day out, mm-hmm. knows exactly how to handle the situation. Mm-hmm. Gives her the privacy, gives her all the time. And that's exactly what she needs to be able to say goodbye drink and come to terms with, with an awful right. lot of it as yes. well. And she's moved from the anger stage of grief. Right, you're not a murdered son; you're a son, you mm-hmm. know. And, and and managing to put that bit aside, the, mm-hmm. the circumstances of it, and the situation of it, but this is what you're going to need. Yeah, it was really, really well done. Yes, mm-hmm. very beautiful. Um, are we? Are we sure ITV Corey is responsible? He is responsible. He's but, responsible. But did he? I'm sh- I'm sure he got his kicks in. I'm sure he did as well. But between the the two of them, between Kelly the Chin and ITV Corey, I always assumed that ITV Corey was the person who killed Seb. Yeah, I think Kelly is telling the truth when she says that she was trying to stop it at that point because it had gotten out of hand. But again, let's remember. None of this would have happened be- if ITV Corey hadn't, after Nina and Seb leave, say, come on, let's go get them. Mm-hmm. None of this would have happened without that. All of this has to do with ITV Corey's hatred of Nina mm-hmm. because she is a woman who is not cowed by him and he doesn't like women who aren't cowed by him. I mean, look at the way he treats Abby calling her a psycho when Abby really didn't say anything to him. You know, it was all Roy. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely responsible and absolutely needs to get his comeuppance. And I'm glad that he didn't die on that stairwell. I was really, really worried that we were going to get the whole, the murderer gets his comeuppance by dying and not by having justice done. Right, and we had the possibility that was going to happen twice this week. Right. With Gary getting shot and ITV Corey falling down the stairs. And the way that they, they framed both shots, ITV Corey looked dead, crumpled at the bottom right, of yeah. the stairs. His neck is, he looks like his neck has been broken, but apparently it isn't. No. And then Gary slumped against the fence, looking mm-hmm. like all the world like he's been do you shot. Think they've been, do you think they've done any blood work to find the drugs in ITV Corey's system? Nah, just like they haven't checked for the taser marks on, John, on Jenny's back. They seem to be satisfied that it was just booze. Right, it's just fine. I am enjoying uh, our uh, the detective sergeant who's been... Uh, allocated this case. Mm-hmm. Normally, they're just the kind of bumbling right. messes that, that end worst. up causing the worst. more confusion than than, yeah. than, uh, than resolving anything. But but she seems pretty good, and that just follows us on Twitter now, which is, means that we like her. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. You know. I. Again, it feels like they really could have pushed things a little bit harder this week because of the time. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't. And they really, they really didn't. There was really nothing that couldn't have been done at 7 p.m. I, I don't think the tasing. Well, 7:30, but yeah, because yeah. I mean, there wasn't even any blood. No. You know, and we've seen blood at 7:30. Yeah, the, like I said, and not because it was a, a, a comedy scene, but seeing a body jolt 
at all. It's the only thing I could possibly say, and nah. even that, it's a, I, I admit that it's a stretch. Nah. But anything else? There was nothing else. Right, yeah. And I mean, they didn't even have to do anything violent. They could have done something sexy, I'm sure. You, know, they you wanted boobs, yeah. Yeah. Maybe some ass. Right. Yeah. Maybe a bit of floof. Um, not about the floof. I do like ass, though. <laughs> As you know. That's the other podcast. <laughs> I like your ass. The other, other podcast. No, I do have a good ass. You do have a good ass. Um... <laughs> It's I don't want that to be the last thing that we talk about. <laughs> it's funny. I was, I, you know, looking at pictures the other day. Is this helping? <laughs> and I realized how different you and and my other two husbands. I don't are. want. I don't really want to talk about any of that. <laughs> it's like, what is the common thread between the three of you? You all have nice junk in the trunk. That's it. <laughs> Your moment of the week. Grab a dead ass. <laughs> no, it's it's Abby forgiving Nina and giving her back her dresses and saying, you know, come as you are. I want you between me and Roy in the front row. Mm-hmm. That yeah. And Roy. Yeah, because that's what she says. Abby says, you know, I want you squished between me and Roy. Yeah, I was toying with the idea suggestion uh, at a more comedic moment. No. But I don't think so. I think no. We did that last week with the whole sexy... See, even that <laughs> was more risque than anything that happened this week. Right. The sexy real estate agent, or whatever they're called over there. It's just a state agent, isn't it? Estate Not real agent, estate yeah. agent. Or realtor. Realtor. Different things, apparently. Yes, different things. Different licensing. Stuff you should know. <laughs> so. Also, we're like friends with like five different realtors yeah so abby making amends with nina is our to come as you are as you were is our moment of the week as you needed to be and your boring moment of the week <sighs> sam describing the length of his lens <laughs> to gary the specifications of the telescope. Yes. Yeah, that's our boring moment of the week. I've heard because the Nirvana come as you are. Uh-huh. I've heard uh, Billy Eilish being described as the Kurt Cobain of her generation, and I watched on BBC iPlayer. There's uh, she's got a much better head on her shoulders than Kurt Cobain did. No offence to... Her voice is so low down in the mix of her songs, it's like she isn't even there. Is, is that deliberate? Yeah. can barely hear her. Yeah. I like Billie Eilish. I like her a lot. I think she's got a very good head on her shoulders. I think she's very savvy in the way that she presents herself and um, and takes no quarter from anyone. I th- and, you know, I love the the relationship she has with her brother who is, you know, who she writes songs with. Oh, see, I don't know anything about that. This is just, and I everything. really care for the music and I, I expected something quite I don't, astonishing. I don't, I don't really condone the whole such and such is the such and such of their generation, especially when it comes to women being described as the man of her generation, because this happens, you know, like people say, 
like Simone Biles is the Michael Phelps of gymnastics and Simone Biles says, no, I'm Simone Biles of gymnastics. Like women should be, well, all people should be judged by their own stuff. But if I had to say who is the Kurt Cobain, like as far as genius wise of their generation musically, Billie Eilish would probably be on the top of the list. But just the genius wise, because I don't see Billie Eilish getting into drugs or committing suicide or marrying somebody who secretly murdered them. Well, kind of wish I had mentioned that. <laughs> so you seem to forget I know everything about everything. No, I, I never forget that you think you know everything. About everything. <gasps> oh, shameful. So if you're wishing that I hadn't brought that up as well, write in to tell us. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. That's ko-fi.com. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Less swears, more ass. Bye. Cheerio.